This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey, and we got some hockey stuff kind of swirling about there. Some Golden Knights players and, of course, their coach are out and about doing charity work. The league and the players are hashing out return to play details. There's a lot of hockey stuff kind of just in the air. Not a lot concrete yet, but a lot's out there. Uh, I, of course, am Ben Goats, one of your Golden Knights Review Journal beat reporters. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, can you also sense the hockey oh, in yeah. there? Heck yeah, I got... I got the hot chocolate I've been sipping on here, uh, getting into the holiday spirit. I got, you know, like like our friend uh, Smokey Robinson says, happy Chinooka to our to our listeners who are uh, members of the tribe. And I might go check out some Christmas lights later. So, yeah, definitely feeling it like holiday hockey. It's it's all starting to feel like uh, like we're getting closer. Yeah. Happy holidays to everyone who listens. We appreciate you guys. So, so much. We probably won't get to talk to you guys uh, before uh, the holidays happen for some of you. I know, of course, uh, as Dave mentioned, there's already holidays going on as well. But just happy holidays, whatever you believe in, celebrate. I hope you have a uh, wonderful time of year, Uh, at least make the best of it that you can, because we're all just trying to do that uh, right now. Uh, In terms of the hockey stuff that's also uh, in the air. We're going to dive in on some specific stuff when it comes to the NHL kind of return to a play details later on in the show. Uh, but for now, um, the kind of, you know, a topic items are really just that nothing has officially been settled. The two sides are still hashing out a lot of things. They're not fighting over money necessarily anymore, but they are haggling over the roster rules quite a bit. That seems to be one of the big hangups. Um, obviously the thinking is kind of like they had in baseball this past year, you need a taxi squad in addition to your main roster that you kind of bring from place to place, just in case positive tests pop up. And all of a sudden, you know, three players can't play in a given game while you have a taxi squad that you can pull from to kind of fill out your lineup. Well, 
How many players are going to be on that taxi squad? Do they need to clear waivers to go on the taxi squad? How much do they get paid? What are the salary cap ramifications? All that sort of stuff is still being discussed. Um, I think there's been at least some discussion about do you expand the rosters a little bit, go from like 23 to 25? Well, obviously there's salary cap implications and stuff with that because teams uh, like the Knights that are kind of pressed up against the cap probably don't want to expand their rosters uh, because they can't necessarily afford to unless there's some cap wiggle room there. Uh, So a lot to still figure out there. So that's kind of the non-update update in terms of the league as a whole. Uh, in terms of uh, the Knights, there's a lot to at least discuss because uh, the Knights appeared doing some charity work yesterday at help of Southern Nevada. There's several players and Coach Pete DeBoer involved there. I also got a chance to talk to DeBoer uh, over the weekend. and Dave got to talk to uh, some players and DeBoer yesterday. So we want to go through some of the highlights of all of these conversations. Uh, but first off, Dave... I'm going to borrow a question from one of our great co-workers who sent this email when you filed your story yesterday. And I think he speaks for a lot of people. So shout out to you, Tony. Uh, did you see DeBoer's sword in hand when he was working, uh, delivering bikes to needy families with Marc-Andre Fleury yesterday? No, not even a sheath or, or anything like they were chummy. It was great. They were joking around, palling, right? Like, you know, like old chums. Apparently they had, let's pardon the pun, buried the hatchet or whatever. Um, yeah, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of funny. I, you know, maybe it's the Christmas spirit or maybe they had a good chat, but no sign of a sword anywhere. No. Well, there you go. That's a good, uh, sign for the night, certainly. And, you know, it's the whole sword thing, of course, was just part of a crazy year for DeBoer. I talked with him a little bit over the weekend, but, I mean, if you just really go back and retrace his last 11 months, uh, he, of course, got hired January 15th by his former team's rival. Uh, Then he got hit by a global pandemic. Then he had to go, you know, play bubble hockey with the team. I mean, it's just been an insane time for him and his family. And he actually said he bought a house in Las Vegas before everything shut down in March, but he didn't actually get to move in until November 1st. So he's only been in town really the last month and a half. And uh, he told me he's still getting out and exploring the area, which is just kind of crazy to think about the adjustments that kind of he's still making to even living here. Uh, One piece of big news he shared is that uh, we talked about this uh, about three weeks ago, uh, that four nice players tested positive for COVID-19. Well, now all four have recovered, according to DeBoer. He did say, however, one of them was hit pretty hard by it. Uh, There was not like a hospitalization involved or anything like that. But uh, DeBoer said the player in question was knocked out for three or four days. Uh, And I think that's definitely an early sign that uh, this virus is potentially going to have a big impact, uh, not just potentially on the Knights, but on the league as a whole. It's certainly still affecting uh, you know, college football, uh, th- the NFL, obviously college basketball, because uh, UNLV basketball is now on pause because Coach DJ Otzelberger tested positive. Uh, so this is certainly, you know, something that's uh, not going to necessarily go away. Uh, then in terms of hockey topics, uh, DeBoer was obviously thrilled about the fact that uh, the team signed Alex Petrangelo, who he worked with at a world uh, championships before uh, he was also happy that uh, Robin Leonard re-signed which once again it sounds like he's happy to have both goaltenders because he and Marc-Andre Fleury uh, seemed chummy. Uh, DeBoer did say that he anticipated 
anticipated playing both those goalies a lot during this season. It's we've been talking about this for months, but it's likely that this upcoming regular season is going to be, you know, condensed maybe four games a week, uh, you know, just to get as many in as possible before, you know, the league kind of has to get out of the calendar to make way for the Summer Olympics. And we're also called having that tandem of Mark Country Fleury and Robin Leonard at his disposal a huge advantage for the team. Um, and it was funny, Dave, because when I asked him about that, I prefaced the question with, you know, let me be the first of like hundreds of people to ask you about this. Um, but I do feel like, you know, this is just going to be a season long storyline, even if he and Mark Andre Fleury appear chummy, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. He was asked about it yesterday. The charity stuff, Mark Andre Fleury was asked about it, you know, and just in terms of how he sees the workload. Uh, what he expects, how how essentially like if we're going to have a condensed schedule, like you mentioned, and a lot of back to backs, uh, everything compressed into, you know, a handful of months here, both goalies are going to be needed. So I think as long as, you know, as long as both goalies are on the roster and the Golden Knights are allocating $12 million of salary cap hit during a flat cap era to the goaltending position. There's always going to be questions lingering and things like that about what's going on. The storyline's not going to go away until I guess maybe that issue is resolved and it'll probably go, you know, as long as Marc-Andre Fleury is on this roster and, you know, through the, the postseason and who's starting and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, if the, put it this way, if the, if the gold Knights aren't prepared for those questions, they better get ready for them because they're certainly coming. Oh yeah. And I think DeBoer is, very ready to answer a lot of those. He might not be thrilled about it, but I think he knows uh, it's coming. Uh, some other, you know, odds and ends from kind of his various availabilities this week. He said there's not necessarily a timeline for a C to get slapped on someone's jersey. We obviously know a captain is coming for the Gold Knights. And uh, if you've listened to uh, previous editions of this podcast, I don't think we've made any secret as to who we think that captain is probably going to be. But uh, he's still DeBoer said he needed to talk it over with George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, kind of make it official before they award it. And I would imagine that would happen sometime around the start of training camp, whenever that officially is. Um, another thing that DeBoer said yesterday that I thought was interesting, uh, it was something about uh, 2019 first round pick Peyton Krebs. Uh, DeBoer said, quote, we don't look at birth certificates when we're building a team in regards to whether Krebs is going to be able to challenge for a roster spot, uh, come training camp. And I think we've talked a lot about Cody glass, you know, on this podcast and in general, stepping forward this off season, potentially, you know, he's obviously gained weight and is looking to build on his kind of, you know, what he even described as kind of a disappointing rookie year. Uh, there's also guys like Chandler Stevenson or Nicholas Waugh that could potentially grow into larger roles. But the fact that DeBoer kind of brought up um, Krebs or at least talked about, you know, like we're going to give him a shot. It certainly seemed to be the intention of that quote yesterday. And he brought up Krebs's name when talking about potential center options to me over the weekend. I don't know, David. It makes me start to feel like maybe we've underestimated his chances a little bit. I kind of always thought, you know, he'll show up, try to impress, and then we'll see kind of 
where the chips fall from there because he's a guy that can't go to the AHL yet. He would have to go back to juniors. But the fact that they brought him to the bubble and they talked very highly about, you know, his time there and he actually took part in warmups a couple times. And now, you know, the, the coach is kind of, it appears to be saying he's going to have a shot here. I'm curious whether, you know, they are legitimately going to give him an opportunity to make the roster. Yeah, I think they are. Uh, I mean, to go back to your original question, which was, you know, have we been underestimating his chances? I think I was certainly guilty of underestimating his chances to be in the bubble. I know when I wrote the story about, you know, the expanded roster and, you know, these are probably the seven guys. And we talked about, you know, is Jack Dugan in or out or all these sorts of things like Peyton Krebs wasn't even on my radar and shame on me um, should have been. I mean, I, at the time, it just seemed like, I guess, maybe a little bit too, too, too optimistic for somebody who was still playing in juniors and coming off, you know, an Achilles injury and things like that. But, you know, I learned my lesson in that regard. And I think we've said this before. I think it speaks to how highly the Knights feel about about Peyton Krebs. And I'll even throw one more thing out because we're going to talk about this a little bit. But when you have trade rumors floated about somebody like Max Pacioretty, those types of things kind of get started in the hot stove, you know, starts to simmer because you look at, well, what are the logical replacements? What do they already have in the pipeline? What do you have to clear room for? And if a guy like Peyton Krebs is knocking at the door and has shown versatility, not only being able to play center, which is where he was drafted, but like he's playing for Team Canada right now at the World Juniors, and he's been kicked over to a wing. He was on a wing, you know, when we saw him in training camp and probably at the bu- in the bubble. So there's a lot of different options that maybe he's presenting with how close he is and how ready he is. I mean, he's got, you know, that nine game I guess it's nine game. I mean, based on the old CBA um, window where maybe he can play games before, you know, he would burn a year on his contract. There's a, there's a whole lot of different things that I think could happen with him. And, and part of it is he's sort of forced their hand on this. I mean, players and coaches talk about this all the time about, you know, make them make a hard decision. And so far right now, it looks like Peyton Krebs is, you know, making the gold Knights have to make a tough decision on, on some other folks and players and and maybe some roster things. Maybe he's not ready. Maybe he goes back to juniors after it'll be interesting just in the development standpoint, say the WHL, you know, doesn't get started until, you know, mid February or something. I don't know. Hypothetically do the Knights feel it's better if there's expanded rosters for, you know, Peyton Krebs to stick around and develop and, and maybe even get a game or two, and, and get his feet wet in, in that regard. It'll be it'll be an interesting decision, I think, for, for George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, and, and kind of the pro development staff. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Twenty twenty has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. 
Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore's total visits, so it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Yeah, no, it's fascinating kind of how, I guess, aggressive they want to be with him because, you know, as you mentioned, this is a kid that's, you know, had an Achilles injury not that long ago. Obviously, he uh, had was hobbled when he got drafted. He kind of had to stumble his way onto the stage and spent most of his first post-draft season in the early goings just rehabbing and didn't take the ice again until uh, last November, November 2019. So the fact that now he's 19 years of age and basically, you know, year and a half later, he's kind of making a push potentially for the NHL roster is really a credit to him and all the work he's put in. Obviously, what's going to be interesting because you can phrase it or frame this either way is how him going to World Juniors right now would affect things. Because as you said, he is there with Team Canada. It seems like he's really made a good impression there in kind of their scrimmages so far. But the World Juniors, which are taking place in Edmonton, run from December 25th to January 5th. And with all the talent that Team Canada has, you always expect them to uh, stay most of that time, you know, obviously to kind of be there for some of the later, more important games. Uh, you could say that, well, maybe it's a bad thing for Krebs's chances because obviously if camps start, you know, potentially around the third, which is a date that we've heard thrown out a little bit and Krebs has to get to the Gold Knights camp late. Well, does that put him behind the eight ball? On the other hand, obviously, compared to some other guys, he will be in game shape whenever he does get to Knights camp because he will have played in a lot of competitive games for Team Canada. So maybe compared to some other guys who 
I mean, especially this has kind of been a weird offseason for everyone. There might be some guys who need to shake off the rust more than normal. He will have a lot of the rust shaken off already. So that's going to be really fascinating. And obviously he's going to have a lot of competition too, because as while I do stand by the kind of interesting question of, you know, whether we've underestimated Peyton Krebs, it certainly as we've talked about earlier on this podcast and even in this episode, uh, Cody Glass seems like he's ready to go too. And uh, I understand Max Pacioretty was kind of talking Cody Glass up yesterday as well, Dave. Yeah, and that's no shock. I mean, Max Pacioretty is kind of a uh, a Cody Glass stand a little bit from the last couple of years. He even sort of said that himself, uh, having played with him, you know, at the start of last year a little bit. And then the previous year in training camp and, and during the preseason, there's a little bit of chemistry there on ice. And, and I think, you know, if Cody Glass makes the team, it's an option. It'll be interesting to see where Pete DeBoer uses him. Clearly, you know, Jar Glant kind of shoehorned him into the lineup at the start of last year to, you know, at right wing, just to kind of have his presence uh, add, you know, a different element on the power play. Interestingly, Max Pax already mentioned that, that that's one, one area where he really felt like when Cody Glass was out of the lineup that the Golden Knights suffered was on the power play. And, and Cody Glass makes them a little more versatile, gives them a different dimension uh, on the man advantage, you know, Ben, you wrote about this, that, that Cody Glass had put on 13 pounds. Max Pacioretty said he's, you know, basically got a, you know, looks like a new person, got a new body. So at 21 years old and, and sort of coming into his own, you would think this is this is the time. This is Cody Glass's opportunity to seize a job. Uh, you know, I mean, the, that that all goes into, I think, the Paul Stasny trade and how the Golden Knights feel about their organization, organizational depth. Excuse me if I can get that out. Um, but just, you know, also where they feel Cody glasses and if he's, you know, close to 100 percent and should be ready to go after the knee injury that they can plug him in and, and hope for good things going forward. Yeah, they definitely got young guys that seem to be emerging, which, you know, as you mentioned earlier, kind of plays into some of the trade rumors that we talked about last week where uh, guys like Jonathan Marcheseau, Alec Martinez, Flurry and Pacioretty have kind of been floated out there as guys that maybe the Knights would be willing to move to kind of help their salary cap situation a little bit, because as of now, they are still projected to be over the upper limit. Uh, I did think, however, uh, Pacioretty had a pretty good response to said rumors when he got asked about it uh, yesterday. Uh, I guess since you were there, Dave, can you share with our listeners how Pacioretty has uh, responded to being uh, a trade candidate, potentially? (laughs) Well, I think clearly, like, if you know Max Patch already, like, he knew the, the question was coming. He was very prepared for it and gave an outrageously awesome answer, which was something to the effect of he had played 10 years in Montreal. So the current rumors was lightweight stuff. Uh, and then he heard way worse as a captain, as we could only imagine. So I think, you know, whatever was sort of being floated and, and talked about at least on, you know, the hot stove in the rumor mill didn't affect him whatsoever. Obviously he's got a new baby at home and some other things to worry about. So I, I just think it's funny that, you know, a guy like Max Patrick, he's just such an articulate, intelligent guy. And, and he, you know, like I said, he knew the question was coming. So, so to have that response kind of in his hip pocket, ready to, ready to pull it out. He was, he had it all, all fired up and ready to go. It was pretty funny. Yeah, we'll obviously have to see 
uh, whether those rumors come to fruition or not, but at least Pacioretty appears to be taking it in stride uh, somewhat. Um, and then one thing I wanted to get to that DeBoer said, and this is something I kind of was alluding to off the top, is we're still not exactly sure how the divisions are going to shake out next year. We actually talked a little bit about this on last week's show. We kind of you know reacted like literally live as I believe Pierre Lebrun kind of tweeted out the projected divisions. Um, and there's still some adjusting potentially going on there. Uh, but when DeBoer took a look at the projections, he called the uh, Knights potential new home a uh, group of death to borrow a World Cup phrase, uh, which I love. I love that uh, phraseology to uh, reference one of my favorite musicals, The Music Man. Now, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, has said teams are only going to play division games next year. So it is like critically important you know, who's in or out of the Knights division because that basically narrows down the opponents they have to prepare for next year. Um, and I think based on kind of the rumors and projections that are out there, if you're a Knights fan, you should probably have some pretty mixed feelings about how things are shaking out. Um, so what we can pretty much project, I think, really safely right now is that for sure the Knights' new division, whether you want to call it the Western Division or whatever name they end up going with, uh, is almost certainly going to include Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Los Angeles, and San Jose. And it's the last two spots that are kind of in flux. So if you look at that right there, four out of those five teams, I would say, are pretty clearly worse than the Knights. The Avalanche, obviously, are the exception to that rule. Um, and three of them, in terms of the Ducks, Kings, and Sharks, are going to be playing for the first time since March, since they didn't even make it to the bubble. And those teams are actually not going to get the head start that they were originally kind of promised by the league. And so you would have to imagine that it's a decent chance that they're going to get out to really slow starts. Now, when we recorded last week, it looked like Dallas and St. Louis could be the two final teams filling out the division. Now it seems that maybe it's going to be Minnesota and St. Louis, but it obviously appears to be fluid at this point. So who exactly knows uh, if it's Dallas? You're talking about the top four teams in the Western Conference last season, all being in the same division. Uh, if it's Minnesota, it's not quite that top heavy, but obviously the wild, for whatever reason, have been a team that's really been the Knights kryptonite. Uh, the wild are six, one and one all time against the Knights. Uh, and so you know, I mentioned we did some reaction initially last week, but I guess after sitting and thinking about it for a little bit, Dave, I mean, what do you think? How are the Knights coming out in all this? Well, I'm with you first off in the whole group of death thing, because as a big World Cup fan and soccer guy, like, yeah, I, I chuckled uh, out loud when when Pete DeBoer said that yesterday uh, when we were all kind of gathered around. I, I mean, as I wrote in the, in the story today for for the uh, review journal I, I think you can make some argument you know that some folks back east would contend that the proposed i guess eastern division or whatever you want to call it might be a little tougher i mean if you're going to get you know philly pittsburgh boston new york islanders the rangers in there it you know if you're if you're washington if your bottom teams are basically new jersey and buffalo i mean i think the the bottom of the, the the Pacific is probably a little lower. You know, you've got four teams that finished in the bottom 10 of the standings, Arizona, LA, San Jose, Anaheim. 
So, I mean, it's all it's a, there's like a, a top heavy sort of feel, to, I guess, to this Pacific Division thing. I think if Minnesota gets in there, even though the history, you know, and, and them being kind of a bugaboo team, as you pointed out, six, one and one, the wild are against the Knights all time. But I think the Knights will be much better off. Clearly, I think the wild are going through a little bit of transition. You know, I don't want to call it quite a rebuild, but. You know, they're they're not a team certainly in the same, uh, I guess, Stanley Cup contention as like Dallas and St. Louis, which are the other two teams that seem to be in the mix. I, I do think that that one team would change the dynamic enough, because if you're looking at three teams like Colorado, Dallas, St. Louis, all in one division and the Knights are playing them potentially eight times, like, you know, what, 24 of your 56 games against those three teams. I mean, that's tough. That's brutal. I mean, you better beat up on those bottom teams. If if you're going to have a division with St. Louis, Colorado, and potentially Dallas in there, you, you better make hay on those, on those, you know, lower division teams, I guess you could say. So it's, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, I guess, depending on, you know, whatever, but it's certainly not Tampa Bay's path. I mean, if you look at what the, kind of Midwest or central division sort of is proposed. I mean, that's a, that's a kick your feet up on the, on the Shays lounge and, and say, all right, well, you know, we got a pretty good chance here to uh, def- successfully defend our Stanley cup. But I do think, you know, part of it too is going to depend on the playoff format. You know, if you get four teams in there from each division, you know, then maybe the Knights are okay. you you probably feel all right. You know, even if you finish in fourth place, you know, that, that, gap between four and five in the Pacific division will probably be, you know, pretty significant. So I don't think there would be a threat in that regard, but in terms of trying to win a division, in terms of trying to get yourself, you know, better seating and things like that, depending on the format, it's, it's going to be a bumpy ride at the top uh, for the Knights. A lot of, you know, a lot of traps and and good teams up there. Yeah. The key will be how the playoff format is ultimately, constructed because obviously the reason why they're doing this and they're messing with the divisions is because of the border issue and how hard it is to go back and forth between the U S and Canada right now, because of all the quarantines that are required. The NHL doesn't want to deal with that, which is why they're basically creating an all Canadian division and just having those two teams, not two teams, those seven teams all play each other. And then they're splitting the 24 U S based teams into three blocks of eight And so it'll be interesting to see how then they structure the postseason. Do you do it where the playoffs just take place within the division? And then basically the four kind of ultimate division winners make the final four. And then it's not until then that you have a Canadian team potentially cross the border, because that would make a lot of sense logistically in terms of, you know, not matching up, say, the Canadian division and the Western division like you would normally do during the uh, postseason where you would match up, you know, obviously the Central and the Pacific in terms of the Western Conference. Um, That would make a lot of sense to me, but that would obviously make the Knights' path tougher if they, for instance, get St. Louis, Dallas, and Colorado, because that means you potentially have to beat two of those teams who are also very good uh, Western Conference teams last year to just make it to... You know, the essentially the equivalent of the conference finals. I mean, that would end up being a really, really difficult path for the Knights to make it all the way 
to the Stanley Cup final. Obviously, it wouldn't be impossible because the Knights are a very good team and will be probably one of the favorites next season. But that, to me, would be something that would make things harder for them, certainly, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just look at, you know, compare that potential path where if you only have four teams make it, you know, you're going to have to go through like, you know, Dallas, Colorado or St. Louis, maybe, you know, just to get there. Well, I mean, they they had to go through 12 seated Chicago and I don't remember what Vancouver was. I think kind of receded. Yeah. So, I mean, just those paths are, are the juxtaposition between that is completely different. You know, you can see obviously like the advantage that they had winning that top seed and, and it's a different format. I get that. It was a one-time unprecedented, unprecedented event. We're not going to see, but you know, if you get the number one seed this year, your reward could be St. Louis or Colorado, you know, (laughs) good luck. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a much tougher path. Uh, It certainly doesn't favor them in that regard. I mean, if you're able to like, you know, get a four seed crossover or something like that, maybe it's, it's a little different. Like you mentioned, I'm still holding out hope that there's some kind of format, some way that the Canadian team will only be able to play, you know, the in Canada, that those playoffs will only be there and that a Canadian team will, will be waiting at the end. And it'll be like a U.S. versus Canada Stanley Cup. That's still my hope. I, I, I behind closed doors, whatever that, you know, if I'm Bill Foley and they're talking about these pr- proposed divisions, I'm yelling and screaming about competitive equity. And there's no way you can stack this, you know, against us and have a central division like that. But I hope they're back there and somebody's saying we have to make sure that the Canadian team makes the Stanley Cup. We have to make sure a Canadian team makes the Stanley Cup. That's my hope. That would be Absolutely incredible. We'll see how these divisions end up ultimately shaking out. Uh, We're hoping slash expecting news on all of these kind of league wide developments. You know, potentially later this week, we'll have to see. It seems like every time uh, the league and the Players Association kind of has a a soft deadline that they set for themselves, uh, they end up going past it, which is why we're still kind of questioning what's going to happen with the NHL while meanwhile the NBA is already playing preseason games. That's just how it seems to go for hockey. But we'll of course keep you guys surprised of any developments that end up popping up. Uh, Thanks so much for listening everyone. Once again, happy holidays. Uh, Just a quick reminder before we get out of here, uh, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. Dave mentioned his story. He's had two the last two days based on his conversations with Knights players and, of course, Pete DeBoer. Uh, I had my Sunday story talking to Pete DeBoer. Uh, Also a reminder that this podcast is presented by Indeed, Pepsi, and Favorshot, drinkafavor.com. If you guys could also rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do this one. It would very much be appreciated. Uh, I'm Big Oats. That was Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Once again, happy holidays, everyone. And we'll talk to you again real soon. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. 
better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.